0: This one's going to be a challenge for me because, you know, it was General Conference this last weekend. The crowning jewel really... of the
1: Restoration is the
0: Holy Temple. All right. Okay. Right off the bat, I recognize those little inner critical gremlins in here that are getting in the great and spacious building of my mind, pointing fingers and wanting to mock, but Do you Let's
1: have start our faith, with faith with in and one testimony of, the of God, the Eternal Father, His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost? Do you have a testimony of the Atonement of Jesus Christ and of His role as your Savior and Redeemer? Do you have a testimony of the restoration of the Gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you sustain the President of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as the prophet, seer, and revelator, and as the only person on earth authorized to exercise all priesthood keys? Do you sustain the members of the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles as Prophets, Seers, and Revelators? Do you sustain other General Authorities and local leaders of the Church? The Lord has said that all things are to be done in cleanliness before Him. Do you strive for moral cleanliness in your thoughts and behavior? Do you obey God's law of chastity? Do you follow the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ in your private and public behavior with members of your family and others? Do you support or promote any teachings, practices, or doctrine contrary to those of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints?
0: Welcome back to the Happy Ex-Mormon Podcast, a.k.a. The Tao of Tao. This is episode two, and (laughs) this one's going to be a challenge for me because, uh, you know, it's General Conference this last weekend, and it's really easy for me to fall back into these old habits that I've developed over time of just being critical and nitpicking the things that were said that I don't like. And if I'm really going to (laughs) be the happy ex-Mormon that I'm claiming that I want to be and I'm claiming that I am, then uh, I think I need to overcome the critical stuff. So that's going to be, but, but, but overcome it while I'm still aware of it. But how do I do this? How do I do this? Like what I think that I want to do is look at the world through the eyes of source energy. You know, this idea that we are made up of source energy. Whether that's our atoms or quanta or, you know, whatever the energy is that makes up who we are. It's eternal. I mean, Neil deGrasse Tyson says we're all stardust. Neil deGrasse Tyson says that we are the universe contemplating itself. It's not just the Deepak Chopra and the the woo new age that have this belief, although I love them all. <laughs> I love it all. So if I'm going to be, if I'm going to start seeing myself as source energy and start looking at the world the way that an intelligent, highly evolved, most most evolved intelligent being in the universe would would look at the world, it's all through love. It's seeing everything and loving it and appreciating it for what it is being grateful for it. So this is my challenge today. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to do what on Infants on Thrones used to be called a smackdown, where uh, you may know that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints announced some changes to the Temple Recommend interview questions. So we're going to listen to President Nelson Announce these changes and the reasons for and i'm gonna give my happy ex-mormon commentary on the changes and i'm gonna answer the temple recommend questions the way that i would answer it now as a happy ex-mormon who is true to how he feels is looking at the world from a place of love and gratitude and struggling to do so (laughs) But, but doing it doing it to the best of my ability so here's what we're going to do we're going to start with president nelson and i'm just going to practice i'm going to practice in front of you and if i fall and scrape my knees as i do it i hope it's at least good for a couple of laughs so here is president russell m nelson
1: the crowning jewel of the restoration is the holy temple
0: all right okay right off right off the bat I recognize those little inner critical gremlins in here that are getting in the great and spacious building of my mind, pointing fingers and wanting to mock. But let's start with this. One of the things that I really recognize about President Russell M. Nelson is how serious he takes his calling, how serious he, he approaches these things that he was raised, as was I, believe that these things are true. And he has been faithful to those things and is a, a fantastic example of being faithful and magnifying the truthfulness of those things. He really believes it. He really, really believes it. And it shows. And it's an inspiration to people around him. So when he... When he says that the crowning jewel of the restoration, I mean, I love the I love the flowery language. The crowning jewel of the restoration is the holy temple. I, you know, that's not for me the crowning jewel of the restoration. To me, the crowning jewel of the restoration. and And by the restoration, we mean those those things that were taught by Joseph Smith that then became codified. And bureaucratized into a church and it's interesting because the way that I look at early Mormonism and the way that I look at Joseph Smith now I, I really see Joseph Smith in the same lines as a mystic um, a psychic and an empath um, someone who especially the King Follett discourse it's one of my favorite teachings of his but I feel like he really took time to ponder the universe, to ponder existence, and he was hungry for information, and he he went looking for information in all kinds of different places. And he had these great insights that really inspired a lot of people, and they formed a church around it. And in, in the early days, it was this message that you're not cut off from God. You don't have to go through organized religion, because they're heart or their lips speak of me but their hearts are far from me wasn't that what he was told in the first vision the translation of the book of mormon and telling that story excited the hearts and minds of people who read it not because there were horses in <laughs> the Americas in pre-columbian times um, but but because it meant that god was still talking to people it meant that there was more than just what they had been given in the Bible, and we're kind of bored with, and we're kind of confused by, because what happens all the times with these messages is that they get locked into a conservative pattern for for very good reasons, for reasons of love and reverence. But then there's really no way to go beyond, and it and it's this conundrum that I came up against in the Mormon church a long time ago because I loved those messages of continued revelation. What is that article of faith we believe all that has been revealed and that there will be a yet yet many great things to be revealed? It's something like that. And yet because of the conservative nature of organizations like this when when they really they really do care about the salvation of the soul based on their understanding of what that is, there's a lot of rigidity. So that's a long way of saying, <laughs> to me, the crowning jewel of the Restoration was this idea that we can have direct communication with God, that we don't need to have an intermediary, that we are children of God, however you interpret that. And as I answered the temple questions that are coming up, you'll get a sense more of what I mean by that. But so, right from the start, I think that Elder or President Nelson and I differ on what we think the crowning jewel of the restoration is. But I also recognize that there is a lot of flowery hyperbole that goes into these addresses and, um, you know, superlative disorder. Right, Bob? Back to Elder Nelson.
1: An open house will be held prior to the dedication of each new and renovated temple. Many friends, not of our faith, will participate in tours of those temples. They will learn something about temple blessings. As members of the church, we need to be prepared to answer their questions. We can explain that the blessings of the temple are available to any and all people who will prepare themselves.
0: Yeah, let's pause here um, and talk a little bit about what the blessings of the temple are. The the temple, The temple is where the highest rituals and ordinances of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are performed. So you have marriage, that's probably the most common, Uh, a marriage ceremony, and and what distinguishes a, a Mormon marriage from others is this idea of being sealed for time and all eternity. This idea that this couple that's getting married are binding themselves together, so it's not till death do us part. It's sealing for the eternities, and this is um, this is something that's tied to the uh, promise that God gave to Abraham in the Old Testament, the Abrahamic Covenant. And so it's uh, it's something that's really available to everyone, and it's solemnized in the temple. And uh, what are some of the other blessings of the temple? It's mainly around sealing. There, there are children that can be sealed to families if there's adoptions or uh, you know families coming together, stepchildren, that sort of thing. There are baptisms for the dead, which is a way to. I don't know the if if someone dies and and they weren't baptized and they're in spirit prison then they can have their work done for them and the gates of spirit prison can be opened and they can be in paradise it's a it's a problematic idea that someone who wasn't tracted out by the Mormon missionaries in the world that they die and they go to spirit prison until a Mormon does a, an ordinance by proxy in the temple, I don't think that many Mormons really take that literalistic interpretation of it, because they kind of lean towards, at least I did, I, I leaned towards, well, God loves us, and God won't punish people unfairly, and so we don't really need to worry about it that much. But this is an ordinance that's done in the temple, and it has to do with this, the sealing power. There's other; it, those, those are basically the blessings. It's, it's the ability to seal people together for all time and eternity. Now, if you go back to this idea that I spoke about earlier, about all of us being source energy, what, what would that mean? If that were true, I mean, and it is true. <laughs> we, are, we are all made up of source energy, whatever that is. The real question isn't, are we source energy? It's, what is it? And is it intelligent in and of itself? That's my biggest question with it. And I think the answer is yes and it's eternal and it's indestructible and there's there's this theoretical physicist named David Tong that I've talked about on podcasts before he he talks about quantum field theory where he says that every electron is part of a big sea a big ocean of electron whatever whatever that material is it's a field and and what we see or detect as an electron is just kind of like like if you've got bed sheets that kind of crumple up together that where they crumple and they bundle up that's this quantum of bundle of energy that's what the electron is that we see but it's actually every single connect electron is connected to every other electron whether it's in a person or in a desk in an inanimate object wherever it is all things are connected so all, all things are already sealed and the way that I feel about the sealing ordinance is that this was one of those truths that Joseph Smith recognized and pondered and he was thinking what's the way that I can teach this to people so that they can recognize that we are all actually one that this idea of Zion of becoming one isn't a future goal it's how we are right now we are all connected right now how can I show them that well I could do this easy ordinance and follow, you know, rites of passage all around the world from time immemorial, the crowning jewel of of human culture are these rites of passage, right? That are able to transform someone's identity, their sense of personal identity, their sense of group identity. They'll be separated out. They'll go through some kind of a liminal phase where there's a transformation that happens and then they'll be reintroduced into society with a new identity. And it, it happens in marriage ceremonies, graduation ceremonies, uh, vision quests. Uh, there's, there's so many things that follow that, that model of a rite of passage. And so Joseph Smith created one. These baptisms for the dead, these sealing ceremonies, this idea that people who didn't recognize that they were already connected, they're already all one, that they would go through this ceremony. At the end of it, they'd feel, okay, now we're all one okay, we, we did it, we fixed it, we taught it. But what happens is people get attached to the symbols. People get attached to the, the, the rituals, the practices. You know, They think that if a, a hair of your head floats up from the water, then the entire ceiling or the, the baptismal uh, ceremony is going to be ineffective because there was a hair that came. You know, it, it's little pharisaical nitpicky things like that that is it's very much a part of human nature and it's cute and lovable and adorable but it diverts attention away from the actual message that we are all one we already are all one that's what i believe And so these blessings in the temple that Elder Nelson is talking to to these Mormons about it's saying, your friends are going to have questions. They're they're going to want to know, how can I have these blessings? How can I be sealed? How can I make sure that my family can be together forever too? Well, what I would say to them is, you already are. You You don't need something else unless you need it to recognize that you already are and this is already what you are. But... Again, another area where President Nelson and I diverge. Um, But let's go back. Let's hear what he has to say.
1: But before they can enter a dedicated temple, they need to qualify.
0: They need to qualify by the standards that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have set. But if you're looking at people through the eyes of Source, through the eyes of God, if, if we're talking about source energy being born into a physical body, into this physical world that we're all a part of. What What's the qualifying requirement there? Because whatever it is, every single person has already met it. Everyone who, who exists, everything that exists, has already met that qualifying standard from the position of God, from the position of nature, from the position of everything that Is already it's these human organizations like the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that build up these walls that keep others out and protect themselves in but it's a it's a construct it's a symbol and it's a symbol that has been confused I believe with with reality and it makes it too literal of an interpretation Everybody is already qualified. Everybody is already worthy. Everybody is already sealed to each other. And the idea that some people are worthy and some people aren't, that was a problem for me. That was something that was inconsistent with what I was learning about the love of Jesus Christ and the atonement of Jesus Christ. So let's go back. Let's go back to President Nelson.
1: All requirements to enter the temple relate to personal holiness. To assess that readiness, each person who wants to enjoy the blessings of the temple will have two interviews. First, with a bishop, bishopric counselor or branch president. Second, with a stake or mission president or one of his counselors.
0: You know, this this reminds me... Many years ago was probably, I don't know, you could look it up. It was when the San Diego temple was being rededicated. I I think think that's what it was. I think we were going to, driving to the San Diego temple after it was was closed and it was reopened again. That's not that important of a detail. What what I'm remembering is a conversation that I had with my sister and my brother-in-law as we were driving there. I was already questioning a lot of things about the church. I was still attending. I was still faithful, um, and, and they, they were very much as well. They, they since have left the church. But at the time, I was working through this issue that I had with the idea of priesthood. And part of it, I, I had attended a workshop in Queens. New York at St. John's University. It was put on by Notre Dame and it was called Faith in Fiction. And it was a bunch of writers. And I was a folklore graduate student interested in writing. I was interested in maybe joining the the BFA program at at Notre Dame that was uh, sponsoring this retreat. It was two or three weeks. But I was the token Mormon in a group of Catholics, and mostly lapsed Catholics. And they were very interested in my Mormonism. (laughs) And there was one woman I remember from Canada who just couldn't stand me. She just couldn't look at me without this disdain. And whether she felt that towards me or not, I felt like that from her. And it had to do with priesthood. And it had to do with gender inequality. And this was years before the ordained women movement or anything like that. Um, well, not anything like that. There was an ERA that goes back um, the 70s, but but I I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to respond to this derision that she had, that there was exclusion, that there was a, an imbalance of opportunity and an imbalance of importance that was based on gender in a very arbitrary and unfair way. And I didn't know what to do with that. And I struggled with it for a long time. And so th- this conversation that I had with my sister and her brother came as a result of this this really challenging interaction that I had with this woman at this faith and fiction retreat. So I was talking with my sister and brother-in-law, asking, what what is the point of the priesthood? What, why do we have it? What is it doing? What, why is it that God being an all-powerful God, God being an all-loving God, he can heal people when they're sick. Why does he need someone who has been ordained in the appropriate way to lay their hands on their head and to say a blessing? I didn't understand. It, it, was, it was starting to not make sense to me. I, I knew that it's what I had been taught was right, but I didn't know why because it didn't make sense to some of these other things that I'd been taught and I also knew that there were times earlier in the church when women did actually lay their hands upon the heads of, of men and other women and children and gave them blessings but that we didn't do that today and so I, I was asking this question why do we have it what, what does it do And and why is it that we feel like we have to be the catalyst. That, that God's power is somehow dormant until it's activated by the laying on of hands of a priesthood holder. It, it didn't make any sense to me, and this was shocking to my sister and my brother-in-law. It was it was blasphemy. But it's it started. It start. It was it was one of the things that started me down this path where I listen now to things that President Nelson is saying. You're going to have two interviews you're going to have one with the bishop and one with the stake president because we need things these people these leaders these lay members of the church need something in order to feel like they're making a difference in the world it's it's their own validation they need to feel important that they have a role and they do have a role and they are important it's something that they create and it's something that's sustained by all of the members who raise their hands and sustain and agree to this. Anyway, it just reminded me of that story and I thought I'd share it with you in my happy ex-Mormon way.
1: In those interviews, several questions will be asked. Some of those questions have recently been edited for clarity. I would like to review them for you now.
0: You know, it has been a really, really long time since I've sat down across from a bishop or a stake president and answered these temple questions. And that's even before they were edited for what they are now. So I'm really, I'm really looking forward to this. This is going to be fun. And I get to do it with President Nelson. That's awesome. All right, all right, President Nelson, lay on me. Let's see if I'm worthy or not. <laughs> Let's see. Do
1: you have faith in and a testimony of God, the Eternal Father? His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost.
0: Yes. <laughs> no, yes, yes, I totally do. I, I call them different names than, than that. And uh, mostly what I have faith in a testimony in, most strong of all, is the power that every single one of us has to turn our thoughts and beliefs into a reality in the way that we live our lives and in the, the rules that we follow. And um, there's so much tradition, so much tradition around God the Father and Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost. In that tradition, those stories, of course I see them as fictions, but I believe that they're valid, worthwhile fictions. I have a testimony of the fictional nature, the value of these, these fictions and the, the reality that comes from belief in these fictions and in following these fictions. And um, yeah, so I, I absolutely do. They're, they're real things. They are absolutely real fictions that have an impact on people's lives that is worth noting, is worth respecting, uh, it, it's worth learning about. It's, it's really important stuff, so yes, yes. I don't think that's going to get me in the temple, but yes, yes, I do. Do you have a testimony of the atonement of Jesus Christ
1: and of his role as your savior and redeemer?
0: Yeah, I do. The atonement of Jesus Christ. Let's talk about that. Here's here's how I see Jesus Christ. I see Jesus Christ, I, I see it as this incredibly powerful hero myth this cultural hero myth that has shaped the lives of so many people and there are messages there's some conflicting messages but most of the conflicting messages are the messages that are superimposed upon the story upon the myth from people from leaders from institutions but the the atonement tells you that there's forgiveness there is eternal forgiveness for any and all sins. God's taken care of it you don't have to worry that's the good news fear not have faith God's taken care of it you don't have to worry that's the good news that's the atonement God took upon himself all of the sins of the world you're going to suffer we all suffer but the yoke of Christ is easy, and his burden is light. And the real example of of Jesus Christ isn't just the atonement, the taking on the sins of the world, but the messages of love, that the meek shall inherit the earth, the beatitudes, the love your neighbor as yourself. All All of these messages of love and acceptance and of oneness And the way that he thumbed his nose at the Pharisees, but said, fine, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And and I see Jesus as representing the idea that divine source energy manifests itself in flesh in each and every single one of us. That it's not just Jesus who is the Son of God, but it's every single one of us who are sons and daughters of God, creations of God. In fact, God incarnate in the flesh, not in any kind of egotistical way, but the same way that a tree is, the same way that the eraser on your pencil is, that it's all this divine God source energy with intelligence and purpose and intention Oh, what is that purpose and intention? I think it's to experience the the uniqueness of every choice that is made. But let's go back to your question. Do I believe in Jesus Christ and the atonement and that I'm saved through him? I I believe in it as a story and I believe that I'm saved. I believe that that eternal part of myself is indestructible and also is unstainable. It's, it's worthy in and of itself, and there's nothing that I can do to mess that up. That's the message of the atonement as I interpret it, and yes, I believe that fully.
1: Do you have a testimony of the restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ?
0: Yeah, and, and, and this is like one of the most, you know, what, what you mean when you're saying the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, you're talking about the Mormon church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints which has shaped and formed me in ways that I will forever be grateful for. And it, that, that includes all of the conflict that i bumped up against. So yeah, I, I have a testimony in the truthfulness of that. I don't believe that it's that there's any exclusive truth to it. I believe there's unique truth to it, peculiar truth to it. And I'm not comfortable placing the church of jesus christ of latter day saints above any other groups or any other individuals and their truths but i do have a testimony i have great appreciation for it and it's been it's taken me a long time to get there with that i've always had it a little bit for for people who have listened to me podcast for the last 10 years you've probably heard glimmers of this in me I, I do when I go back and I hear old things that I've said. But being able to get to a place where I actually feel it, and I'm not always there, but that's new, that's changing, that's, that's evolving. The, the testimony of the truthfulness of all things that I've experienced and the gratitude that goes along with that. Yes, I have that President Nelson. Do you sustain
1: the president of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as the prophet, seer, and revelator, and as the only person on earth authorized to exercise all priesthood keys.
0: (laughs) You had me up until only, (laughs) and you had to emphasize only. No, I don't. I, I don't believe you're the only one who is authorized to exercise these keys, except by The rules that you've created and co-created, the rules that you inherited, the rules of the Mormon Church. The rules of the Mormon Church say, yes, you're the only one that has the authority and everybody else has to fall in line. It's not unlike (laughs) Milton's Paradise Lost when Lucifer found himself exhausted amidst all of these other fallen devils who have been fighting against God for so long. And in order for him to have any strength at all, he needed he needed the collective strength of all of the fallen devils. And he kind of tricked them to give to him their power. That's kind of what's happening when you're saying that you're the only one to exercise the keys and the authority and whatever all that is. It's, it's the man-made institution of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I recognize it. And I appreciate it, and I respect it for what it is. But I'm—I I made a decision a long time ago that I'm not going to acquiesce my power to you, and I'll—I'll take—I'll take what comes with it, the good and the bad. I will be responsible for my own actions, for my own exercising of my own power. And uh, but but what you said up to that point, sustaining—I would love to sustain you. I absolutely would love to. I, I don't think that the way that I view things would really be very appreciated or sustaining to you, but I'd like to give you that support. I'm going to try to do a better job of it to, to support those areas where I see you being absolutely true to yourself and those areas where I see you following the example of the Savior in love and those teachings of of love, and charity, and kindness, and inclusion. Those things I really value. And I want to do a better job of recognizing the similarities where you value those as well.
1: Do you sustain the members of the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles as Prophets, Seers, and Revelators?
0: I sustain every single living human being. As a prophet, seer and revelator, I think everybody has everybody is source energy. everybody has that connection to that great eternal intelligence that see see the way that I the way that I see it is like the cloud, you know, like the internet that we have, where there's this shared information, this shared uh, you know uh, Rupert Sheldrake has this theory called morphic resonance that I find really interesting, really compelling. I don't know that there's a lot of evidence, like a lot of solid evidence for it, but I find it compelling. Like where do instincts come from among uh, humans and animals alike? It's very similar to Carl Jung's collective unconscious, but I think morphic resonance extends more to all of life, that, that we're all connected to this cloud of information and that's what we're made of that's what we are this intelligent energy I really like this idea and so in that sense I can say sure I can sustain the leaders of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints as being prophets seers and revelators but I don't want to exclude anybody else from that and I don't I don't like it when I see the exercise of unrighteous dominion. But, sure, prophets, seers, and revelators, we all are.
1: Do you sustain other general authorities and local leaders of the church?
0: Yeah, but what, what, what do we mean by sustain? Because now I'm starting to worry that by sustain you mean defer. Do you defer to these people to make decisions for you in your life? Do you sacrifice your own ability to be a prophet, seer, and revelator, to have your own connection with the divine? Do you defer that to others that are leaders that are placed above you that we use words like stewardship? Do you defer to them? I don't. I don't defer to them. Do I sustain them as far as like reaching out and wanting to support them and encourage them and appreciate them and be grateful for them? Those things, yes, I can, but I can't, I can't defer to them. I can't, I can't say, well, here's the way that I see things and here's the way that you see things and you're my leader. So therefore, uh, you're right and I'm wrong. and furthermore I'm unworthy for thinking and feeling the way that I do I can't go there so if that's what you mean by sustain then no
1: the Lord has said that all things are to be done in cleanliness before him do you strive for moral cleanliness in your thoughts and behavior
0: wow this is this is a new one this thing about cleanliness it's kind of funny it's it's really really funny what does that mean? God, <laughs> God in cleanliness, God in order. Uh, you know, I, I I love spending time in nature. Nature's dirty, man. Na- nature is. It's just you know, there's dirt, there's insects, there's plants that grow wherever they want to grow. There's no there's nobody there to like put them in neat little rows. And pull out the weeds and and only nurture certain things and you know kill others and say well this is in the service of God to make it clean uh, and sterile. <laughs> I don't. Uh, yeah, I. This is a weird one. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna say this is a weird one. This this is this is a weird one.
1: Do you obey God's law of chastity?
0: I don't think that God has a law of chastity. I think that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has certain laws and rules, but I'm not going to confuse that with God's law. I I think if God had a law of chastity, it would be to love one another. I think that's God's law of chastity. To love one another, to not do harm, to not do hatred, in all of the different ways that that can be expressed. So if that's God's law of chastity, which is God's law of love, then I really do my best. But I do fall short quite often with my criticism, with my judgment, with my issues, with my cognitive distortions, my bad habits of thinking, my bad habits of focus. There's times where I let fear get in the way of love. But I'm trying. And I've touched it and I've felt it and I know what the love of God is in this sense. So in that sense, yeah, but with what you're looking for, no.
1: Do you follow the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ in your private and public behavior with members of your family and others?
0: No, not really. I I I kind of follow what's going on in the Mormon church. And by follow, I mean like stay aware of, Um, but not really. I've, I've moved, I've moved quite beyond that. Um, So yeah, no, no, not really. Sorry.
1: Do you support or promote any teachings, practices, or doctrine contrary to those of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints?
0: (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? So do you. You know so (laughs) there's so many contradictory teachings you can't you can't love you can't say love one another and you sing that song as I have loved you love one another and still be supporting these positions that are not loving and accepting of people so yeah, we're 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 both we're both guilty here.
1: Do you strive to keep the Sabbath day holy, both at home and at church? Attend your meetings, prepare for, and worthily partake of the sacrament, and live your life in harmony with the laws and commandments of the gospel?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not doing very well on this quiz anymore, <laughs> on these these questions. Uh, no, I, I don't. I, I don't treat the Sabbath day as any holier than any other day. Um, but you know, and, and I don't take the sacrament and I don't go to church. I don't I don't do any of those things. I, I do personal study and, um, my own personal quest for spirituality and enlightenment that I do, but, uh, no, not, not this stuff that you're talking about. I don't, I don't fit the mold. I don't.
1: Do you strive to be honest in all that you do?
0: If I say yes, does that count? (laughs) Do Do you strive to be honest in all that you do? There are times where I strive to not be honest. I'm just being honest about that.
1: Are you a full tithe payer?
0: What, did you say full or fool? Um. I'm neither anymore.
1: Do you understand and obey the word of wisdom?
0: I understand it, and I obey it in the way that it was originally given, where I use my own discretion. It should be called the word of discretion. I use my own wisdom. I use my own discretion on when and what I will put into my body. But. I do drink coffee. So.
1: Do you have any financial or other obligations to a former spouse or to children? If yes, are you current in meeting those obligations?
0: Yay! Yay! I can answer that one right. Yes, I am. I am current. In fact, I'm kind of over current, but we don't need to get into all that.
1: Do you keep the covenants that you made in the temple, including wearing the temple garment as instructed in the endowment?
0: No. No, not not the... No.
1: No, I don't. Are there serious sins in your life that need to be resolved with priesthood authorities as part of your repentance?
0: Once again, no. But thank you for the offer.
1: Do you consider yourself worthy to enter the Lord's house and participate in temple ordinances?
0: Absolutely. I consider myself worthy to live in God's house, which is the world that we live in, all of it, that we all exist in, that we're here, that we have entered, that we are going about our daily lives in, am I worthy to be here? Yes. Are you? Absolutely. Everyone is. We all are.
1: Individual worthiness requires a total conversion of mind and heart to be more like the Lord, to be an honest citizen to be a better example and to be a holier person. I testify that such preparatory work brings innumerable blessings in this life and inconceivable blessings for the life to come, including the perpetuation of your family unit throughout all eternity in a state of never-ending happiness.
0: And I want to bear my testimony to you, President Nelson, that those promises Are already realized and that the very fact that we are here experiencing this mortal life is evidence that the eternal energies (laughs) the internal source energy loves this loves what it's doing it loves being us it loves playing this game it loves this drama it loves the contrast It loves the ups and the downs, the horrific things as well as the wonderful things. It's all part of God's plan of happiness. And no one can stop it. No unhallowed hand or hallowed hand for that matter. It's happening. And I do feel happiness. Not always. Not never-ending happiness. But I'm I'm figuring out how to... Turn it around better when I get into those dark places. And a lot of those dark places, I'm sorry, are a result of being conditioned from my very earliest years that there are conditions for love, conditions for worth, conditions for acceptance. If you do X, Y, or Z, then you will get the blessings of God. I think it's. I think we already have them. I think they're already there. I think it's just a matter of opening up our eyes, softening our hearts, softening our egos, and just feeling what already is. And these things I say to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Tao, a.k.a. the Happy Ex-Mormon Podcast. If you like what you hear, please give the podcast a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes or on whatever podcasting service you use. Now, this episode that you're listening to is, as always, a labor of love, and creating it is, as always, my absolute joy and pleasure. Now I do need to make a living, however. So if you find this podcast to be entertaining, thought-provoking, or valuable to you in any way. Please flex your gratitude muscles by thanking me for my efforts with a direct donation in the amount of your choosing. Donation details can be found on my website, happyxmormon.com. I'm also currently becoming a certified holistic life coach under the tutelage and mentorship of Alan Cohen. And it would be my absolute pleasure to help coach you towards a greater self-directed sense of peace and fulfillment in your life. Let a master folklorist help you discover where you are in your own hero's journey and let me help you become more aware of the ways that you author your own life. If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, please visit the website happyxmormon.com and reach out. Special thanks to the brilliant musical artist Diderda for allowing the use of his amazing remix of the Beatles song Because. And an even more special thank you to each of you listeners for co-creating this work with me. If there are questions that you have about today's episode, comments that you have, or any areas where you want to challenge or push back, Why not take a few minutes to record something on your phone in your own voice and email it to me? Include your name and your location, and I'll give you a shout-out, and I'll respond to you directly on the podcast. Details can be found at happyxmormon.com. It's my hope and prayer that you will find calm, peaceful shelter in the midst of all of life's storms. And, if possible, even enjoy the rolling sound of thunder as it pours. I was raised in a very um, heavy judeo-christian background and education. And I was programmed to believe uh, about God and about Jesus and salvation.
2: What were you programmed to believe?
0: uh, That uh, if you don't accept Christ as your savior, There is no salvation in the next life.
2: Well, now let's soften that so that it feels better to you. Okay. We were talking earlier about symbols and someone was talking about the mantra of "Gum," And we say all religions and so many methodologies have found points of focus for you to focus upon. And we agree. People do sort of get carried away with the rhetoric. It's it's true of every religion. Religions gravitate so far from where they started. But there isn't anything wrong with you identifying the essence of that and holding onto it. We see many, many people in many different religions closing their vibrational gaps. In other words their life is causing them to want and their religion causes them to believe and so there is nothing wrong with religion and there is nothing wrong with that religion but guidance outside of you can never replace guidance within you and in fact if you are really listening to what Jesus and so many others had to say that was their dominant message that kingdom of heaven that you are seeking is within now we don't know how they got to the place that they're at in other words we agree that there are a whole lot of people who profess that as their religion who are very far from being connected to source energy you can tell that because they don't feel good anyone who is angry in their religion isn't living it but we don't want you to describe yourself as a recovering because it gave you a platform it gave you a basis it gave you a place to start it gave you an opportunity it gave you a good basis You see. and now you're expanding from it and that is good and that is what all religions at the heart were teaching it's an interesting thing to watch this movement of religions because someone gets into a vibration where she can interpret from source and then others hear it and like the sound of it and begin to write it down. And all of that is fine until they conclude that the religion can only go as far as those words were. When the whole point of an experience like this and everyone that was at the heart of every religion that you know of was interpreting in some way. In the early days of Esther and Jerry doing this work, they did a radio show in San Antonio. One woman was describing her uh, outrage at what she was hearing and when she stopped, we said to her, and what is it that you use as your source of guidance? And she said, I use the Bible and we said we have heard that it is a very good book which annoyed her (laughs) and then we said to her and how is it that that book has come to be and she said it came from god and we said and in what way was it translated or interpreted in other words how did it get from god to paper how did it get from God to words someone received it and interpreted it and do you know that woman had never thought about that she had never thought about that it had never occurred to her to think about that all she knew for sure was that nobody ought to be now speaking from non-physical energy nobody ought to be professing that they speak from God because God stopped speaking the day that book was finished (laughs) So now it turns out everybody's got a damn book and they're all professing that it's the book and then they kill each other because you've got the wrong book, you've got the wrong book, you've got the wrong book, you've got the wrong book. book. And we say bury those books, let them be. You all have access to source energy. And so if those books or any book inspires you to your understanding of who you really are, an extension of that which man calls God, And you let your life experience cause you to ask meaningful questions, which source energy will answer every single time, no exceptions. And you can somehow get yourself into vibrational alignment with with that by working on your worthiness and working on your appreciation and working on your love and moving yourself up the emotional scale. You'll get so tuned in with that energy that you will never again question who you are. And those books, while they may be delightful, while they may inspire you in this way and this way, will never replace your true connection to source